0: You are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Broad River Church. Let's get ready to listen to God's word. to see you. Listen, it's good to see you. I wonder if you're happy to see each other. I want to make sure. I want you to look around the people around you, look at them and and let them know with your face how happy you are to see them, all right? Just let them know you can do it. My mom called giving it a big cheeser. She said, give them a big cheeser. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles uh, to the second account of Jesus' physical life here on earth. It's called the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 2, actually, is where we're going to be today. You can find that conveniently in the Bible that we 838. They're down in front of you or on the front row. They're underneath your seat. It's good to get in the habit of having physical Bibles in our hands, even out here in 2022, right? So, so get there, and we'll read there in just a few minutes. Um, As you're finding uh, Mark chapter 2, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Kevin along with my wife Jacinta. We're lead pastors here. We're so glad that you have gathered in today. And um, we have, as I look across the room today, a lot of guests with us in the room, which is awesome. We have a lot of guests normally joining us online. We also have a digital campus or location, people that join us every week um, online. And so Broad River Church, would you just help me make this group feel very welcome today? People that have gathered here, come on, let them know how happy we are that they're here. We really are. For our guests today, and really everyone that's gathered in, I'd like to point out this card. That's either in front of you, or um, if you're a guest with us today, it's inside a bag that you were given as you come in. It's called a Connect Card. That Connect Card is there to do exactly what it says, which is to help us stay connected with you. We'd like you to have the opportunity to be able to share with us the things that are going on in your life, but also to be able to take next steps. You can see on the back there's several different next steps that you can take. You'll be hearing about some of those next steps uh, throughout the service Fill this card out during the service, and even if you don't fill out any other part of the card, there's a section that says prayer requests. We would love to know with you what you need prayer for, and we'd love to join with you in prayer on the things that are going on in your life. Fill that out as you're leaving today. There's a bucket on the right-hand side of the door. This is also where we receive our tithes and offerings, and we'd love for you to drop that Connect card in there, I want to tell you something else I'm very excited about. Before we get uh, to the gospel, of Mark, we have a brand new service opportunity uh, starting next Sunday. So we'll be going from two services to three services next week. The third service is at our South Norwalk location. It's at 10:30 a.m. and it's entirely in Spanish. So the welcome, the worship, the sermon, todo in español, okay? So if you are interested in worshiping in Spanish or maybe you have family or friends that would respond well to that kind of opportunity, I want to just encourage you to jump in, be be a part of Broad River in Español beginning next Sunday. And if you have any questions about that, I know there might be some questions, I'll be standing out front after the service. I'd love to answer any questions that you might have. Listen, 2022 is a year of over flow for our church, and this is a part of that. About uh, eight years of praying is, is coming to pass next week, all right? So let's give God praise for that, amen? Amen. Today, we are starting a new series of sermons called Critiquing the Critic. So for the next four or five weeks, we're going to look at criticisms that Jesus faced when he was walking here on this earth. Now, these days, everybody loves Jesus. Even people who don't believe in Jesus love Jesus because in our minds, when we think about Jesus right now, we kind of have this soft kind of watered down caricature version of Jesus in our mind. This Jesus that we have in our mind, he's just serene all the time. He's kind of glassy-eyed everywhere he goes, and he's just kind of, I don't know, floating around saying nice things and, and patting little children children on the head as he goes. But if you read the stories of Jesus' life, just do a little survey of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're going to find out that Jesus actually took a lot of criticism from these uh, uber-religious guys called the Pharisees. Uh, The Pharisees weren't always fair, you see. Sometimes they were critical. This other group Uh, called the Scribes. There was this Jewish group, very critical of Jesus, called the Herodians, the Romans, who ruled the land where Jesus ministered. They were critical. Even members of Jesus' own family were critical of him. Listen, I want to ask you a question. If Jesus was... We're going to get to the Gospel of Mark. I promise we'll get there. If Jesus was so soft and nice and always out here handing out jelly beans and donuts to everybody, why would they have wanted to kill him? Right, they listen, they didn't just want to kill him; they did it. He was heavily criticized, and some of the criticism was very harsh. And Jesus just kept on preaching and teaching about God's way of doing things. He just kept on being obedient to the Father, as Pastor Mike preached so well last week. We're going to read these verses in Mark chapter two and check out some harsh criticism of Jesus. But before we do, I want you to know why we are doing this. The subtitle of this series. Do you see it? Is what criticisms of the words of Jesus reveal about us? Here's the deal. As we see each of these critics over the next four to five weeks, we're going to get a better perspective on his life and on his ministry. First of all, we're going to see how the people around him really view Jesus real time. Listen, they didn't look at him as some sort of, I don't know, blonde haired, Swedish Jesus who talks like an alien, okay? It's not what they saw. When people, when people Jesus talked, people had usually one of two reactions. Either, first of all, they, they, they would get afraid of the consequences. They say, no, Jesus, don't, don't say that. You can say the other stuff, but don't say that. Either that, or they would get angry with him about what he was preaching. We're going to see some of that. The second thing we're going to get an opportunity to learn about Jesus is when we see what he was being criticized for, I'm going to argue over the next four to five Weeks that the same things that he was criticized for 2,000 years ago, he's being criticized for now. We're going to make that argument, but also we're going to see how he responded to the criticism. I know that's a very long setup, but I wanted to make sure we started on a firm foundation. Okay, let's go. Mark chapter 2. We have a tradition of standing together to give honor to the word of God, so let's do that. Mark chapter 2. We're going to read verses 23 through chapter 3, verse 6. One Sabbath, he, he is Jesus here, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for men, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath, entering into chapter 3. Again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. It's our desire that you would continue to speak to us as you've been so faithful to do so many different times, that you would come again in your power and open up our hearts, soften our hearts to what you want to do. Lord, I pray that you would start with me and the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. God, you're my rock and my redeemer. We plead with you to speak to us today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Thus you can be seated. Looking around the room right now, based on the average age of here, the people that are here today, I'm going to guess that most of you have not seen a movie called Mississippi Burning. It's a movie that's over 30 years. I think we have a picture that talks about Mississippi Burning. It's a, over 30 years old now. It stars Gene Hackman and on the right there, a very young William Defoe, AKA the Green Goblin. All right and uh stars francis mcdormand the movie is set in racially charged 1964 in a very racially dangerous place in Mississippi. It's about the murder investigation of three civil rights workers who were murdered there. It's based very loosely on on a true story, and Gene Hackman there on the left, he's an FBI agent who battles the Ku Klux Klan. He battles local police. I very, very rarely watch movies a second time, almost never, but I just saw this one again two weeks ago, And, and since we're talking in this series about things about ourselves being revealed, I kept thinking about this small town in Mississippi that was filled up with people who know better than they act, and they refuse over and over again, as you watch the film play out, they refuse to do the right thing to help others. You'd have to see it to get it, but You've seen stories like it, even if you haven't seen this one. Over and over again, they don't do the right thing because they are afraid of what the people around them are going to think or do to them. They don't do the right thing because they're afraid of what the police or what other people are going to think or due to them. So the movie, there's this intense social pressure to stay quiet and not help this murder investigation out until finally this one woman uh, finally breaks down. It's Frances McDormand. She, she tells the FBI agent about a crime that happened, and as soon as she does that, some people show up at her house, and they, they beat her up, and they destroy her home. In fact, one of the people who shows up to the house and beats her up and destroys her home is her very own husband. And it sounds awful. And it sounds that way because it is awful. And I want you to know this is not just something that happened in the past. Listen, and, and I'm not going to revisit this particular thing, so I want you to hear this. Listen, uh, anytime a society is dominated by laws and rules that really carefully lay out exactly how you were supposed to act or even when you are or, or are not supposed to act, it has a way of creating a culture of fear. Come on, somebody say culture of fear. I'm saying this because I want you to see something about Jesus. The world that Jesus entered into, the world that Jesus ministered in, it was this kind of culture. It was a culture of fear. That There were rules about every part of everyone's life. I want you to take that picture down for now. Listen, there were rules about what you ate. And there were rules about what kind of clothes you could wear. There were rules about who you could hang out with and when you were allowed to work and when you were required to to rest. And in, in the middle of all of that, I'm going to use a word that's gotten popular over the last 20 years or so. Uh, people, especially entrepreneurs on Instagram, there's lots of entrepreneurs on Instagram, you know, entrepreneurs on Instagram, they like to use the word disruptor, right? This, I'm a disruptor, right? Uh, and it's a word that's gotten popular over the last 20 years. But if there's ever been a, 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 a disruptor, it's Jesus, Uh, And Jesus was a disruptor. And when you're a disruptor, you're going to get criticized. And Jesus did it over and over. Again, we saw two scenes right here in Mark chapter 6. Did you notice it was two scenes? The first of all, Jesus and his disciples, they're walking through the grain fields, and as they're walking, they're just very casually reaching into the field, and they're plucking off the heads of grain off the top of the uh, of the wheat to have something to eat. Listen, this was not an illegal activity. This was an activity that was allowed. The, fact, the law of the day said that when you planted a field and then when you harvested it, you had to leave the edges of the field why because there's going to be some people in need and when they walk by you want to have something for them to eat it's a good plan but when the pharisees see that jesus and his disciples are chowing down on the free food they get super tight because this activity of plucking grain is classified as work on a day when no one is supposed to be working are you with me so far that's the first criticism for Jesus here. We saw it in, in uh, verse 24. What did it say? Why, they were saying to him, Lord, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So what does Jesus do? He's a disruptor. What does he do? He doubles down. Next scene, we see him in the synagogue. He shows up at church. And he heals a guy with a bad hand. Mark calls his hand withered. I want you to check out verse 2 of chapter 3. Uh, again, listen, I want you to know this. Sometimes even church folk aren't rooting for you. Sometimes even in the tribe, there is some bad stuff lurking. What does it say in verse 2? They watch Jesus to see whether they would he'd heal him on the Sabbath, why? So they could celebrate right because he got healed. No, they said it. They washed him so that they might accuse him. What's he gonna do? He, he's not gonna. You know, heal the guy, right? Not today, of all days. And they criticize Jesus even before he heals him for even thinking about healing. The criticism is so intense that Jesus actually puts the healing on pause for a minute, just a minute to defend himself. Look at verse 3 again. He takes a pause. He said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, who? The people waiting to accuse him. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were saved silence. I want you to see two scenes in a row of Jesus being criticized. People are saying he and his disciples aren't behaving right on this sacred day called the Sabbath. Jesus, you are guilty of working on a day that no work is supposed to happen. Come on, are you with me so far? If you're with me, I want you to turn to somebody close to you. Tell them Jesus did a no-no. Come on, tell them Jesus did a no-no. The Sabbath, Listen, uh, the Sabbath is more than a day. It's not just a day. Check it. The Sabbath is something that God has lived out by example and commanded at the very beginning. We've done a lot of preaching about the Sabbath here over the last 11 years. It's Listen, it's not just any old commandments. The Sabbath is not just any run-of-the-meal commandment. It's one of the big ten, y'all. It's history goes all the way back to creation. Genesis chapter 2, Exodus chapter 20, read the Bible, you'll love it, I promise. This criticism that Jesus is getting here, it's a little bit different from some of the criticisms we're going to see over the next few weeks. This criticism is because of something that is in the Scripture. The Sabbath is in the Bible, Jesus. Chapter and verse, my guy. It's in there. I, I want you to feel this because we're critiquing The critic, and I want to help some of us out here right now. We can learn something big right now. Don't be too critical of the critics because this wasn't the first time, and it won't be the last time that God's people just got absolutely fixated and obsessed with a couple of verses of Scriptures, even commands of God and the Scriptures, so fixated and obsessed that they missed a whole slew of other verses in the scripture. There's some people in the room today I know that all of this is brand new for. I'm aware of you here. The Bible's new for you. The church. Jesus. So I'm giving you a little spoiler alert. Sometimes people who follow God do this kind of thing. (laughs) By the way, if that's you, we're glad that you're here today. And then there's a a whole other group of people that are here that being in church isn't new to you. And for all of you, I'm just encouraging you as you read these scriptures not to be too critical of these Pharisees because some of us have been guilty of the same thing. What? Creating religious systems that are hyper-focused on a few verses from the Bible and just excusing a whole bunch of other verses. That's what's up here. That's what's going on. A whole system has been built up. This is what you can do on the Sabbath. This is what you don't do on the Sabbath. And by the way, this is part of the law that's been given. You're not just expected to behave this way. You're not just encouraged to behave this way. You are required to. Everybody, hear this criticism. Jesus, you are failing to maintain very basic obedience to the Ten Commandments. And more specifically, you are not obeying our traditions that are based on those commandments to Sabbath. I've taken time to set this up because if you get this set up, you are in line for some revelation today, okay? If you get this set up, You're in line to find out something that's core to how God is calling this church in Fairfield County. If you get this set up, you're ready now to learn something about Jesus. You can learn all of that just by seeing how Jesus responds to the criticism. How how does Jesus respond to the criticism? Almost always in the scripture. Yell it out if you know. How does he normally respond to criticism? He points to scripture. He always points back to the word, right? That's how he's always done. So he doesn't ignore the Pharisees. He, he's not just like, oh, well, you know, haters going to hate, right? Son of God going to demonstrate this is just what I do, right? That rhymes too, man. That needs to be, that, that's a bar right there. That's a bar right there, Okay. He reminds everybody, points back to the word about King David and how King David once broke a big rule too. You can see it in verse 25. Have you never read, Jesus said, what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for but the priest to eat, for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. This story is, by the way, uh, in first. Samuel chapter 21 in case you want to check it out later, read the Bible. It's great. Jesus says, what I'm doing here is just fine. There's precedent here. It's happened before and then now he's going to teach them something. Jesus responds to their criticism by turning their criticism into a teaching on how God's law really works. It's in verse 27. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even." of the Sabbath first response to criticism right now he's going to go in the synagogue, scene two. He heals the man with the withered hand. He defends himself a little bit differently this time. What he's doing here, and it's kind of in the weeds, so I'm not going to go too deep here, but he's going to use actually the Sabbath law on the books to defend himself because in the Sabbath law, there is this loophole that says that you can violate the Sabbath in one way. If you need to violate the Sabbath, you can do that if you need to save somebody's life. You could do that. It's a loophole. But you can't use it as a loophole to kill somebody, right? Well, unless you're defending yourself, right? Or unless you're trying to save somebody. So that's the way that he do, does it there. You couldn't violate. So, and I'm getting down in the weeds. I'm going to come out of the weeds because teach, Jesus is teaching us something about God here. Help me out here. Everybody help me out. Get with me right now. Is Jesus saying that we should not observe the Sabbath? Come on, I want to hear you. Yes or no? Is Jesus saying that we shouldn't follow God's law? Yes or no? No, in fact, never one time did Jesus disrespect the Sabbath. He didn't ever, we would have lots of opportunities, lots of stories that we could read where we could see if Jesus was a Sabbath breaker. Uh, Jesus worked in a carpenter shop with his father Joseph. And so we don't ever have a story of how Joseph and Jesus decided to pull an overtime shift on Saturday night and, and do some extra work on the Sabbath. No, it never happens. Even these two scenes, they are good examples of what Jesus would be up to on the Sabbath, taking a walk with friends. That's what he was doing. He's going to church. But get this. Everybody hear this. When Jesus encounters someone suffering, hear this. He doesn't use the Sabbath as an excuse not to help them. There's so much going on here, but at the very least, I want you to get this today. In fact, we're going to put it up on the screen. I want you to write this down. God has always prioritized loving people over isolated principles. Yeah. The more I read scripture, the more I find that it actually doesn't have a way long term of contradicting itself. Scripture has a way of fulfilling itself. And this truth is something that has always been a part of that fulfillment because it's all tied together by what God has always prioritized. God's always been clear about his priorities. In fact, you might remember that there was another time when people were trying to trap Jesus into doing things the way it had always been done. They were trying to trap him into saying things that he shouldn't say. They were trying to trap him into doing things that he shouldn't do. And instead of falling into that trap, he always was very clear about his priorities. I want you to leave this up to give people time, and I want you to get this deep down inside you listen as we dive into the most important season of overflow this church has ever seen I want you to listen to Jesus making his priorities clear. it's, It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to hear it from Mark chapter 12. There's this other critical group of people that come to Jesus called the scribes. And they come to him saying, listen, Jesus, it's all about the commandments, right? We should obey the commandments, right? They're trying to trap him. Of course, we should obey the commandments. It's all about the Well, if it's all about the commandments, Jesus, then why don't you tell us which one is the most important one of all? Listen to how he responds in in verse 29. He says, Hear, O Israel, the most important is this. Thanks for asking, basically, he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here's the most important one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And you didn't ask about the second one, but I'm going to go ahead and throw that one in for free. The second one is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus isn't saying that the law is important. He's not saying that theology is important, isn't important. He's not saying that doctrine isn't important. He's not saying that we shouldn't keep digging into Scripture and find out how to live godly lives in the middle of a world gone crazy. No, listen, progress as humans, even humans that are following the way of Jesus, doesn't mean that we ever have to abandon the Scriptures Progress doesn't mean that we have to choose between the law of God and the love of God, but I want to be clear this morning that the whole law is summed up by these double commands to love God with all our being and our neighbors as ourselves. I want to say this one more time. You don't have to abandon God's principles to love people, but don't let your principles stand in the way of God's priorities. Everybody get that? If you, if, you had, if you had seen this building 10 years ago, I mean, this room right here where you're sitting, if you had seen it 10 years ago, it's, it's almost unrecognizable to what it was then. There were, for instance, out here where you're sitting, there were these really long, beautiful uh, wooden pews. Two, two rows, a big row over here and a big row over here. There, there was some, and, and by the way, I love pews. I'm a pew guy. I was raised on pews, all right? Don't talk bad about pews to me. We don't have pews for a reason, which we'll talk about, but, but I, I love pews, so we didn't get rid of the pews because they were bad. They were awesome. There were some really not-so-awesome, really yellow carpets. And there were these three kind of different pulpit things. A pulpit thing there, a pulpit thing here, a pulpit thing over there. And there was this big, huge stone altar that's set right here across the back of this stage. And we worked for hours and years, and, and we spent a whole lot of money to change almost everything in this room. And we didn't do it because the past was bad. We didn't do it because there's anything wrong with tradition. I kind of like how pews look, right? I kind of like how you can't really social distance on a pew, right? Because you're going you're to get right up next to somebody. I kind of like that about it. But, but everything that we did to change this building to what it is right now was trying to be faithful to Jesus' priorities. Listen, there's nothing wrong with tradition, but if tradition gets in the way of loving God with all of our heart and loving people, traditions are going to get deprioritized. We've changed the name of this church twice in the last two years—twelve 12 years. 12 years, two names. When I became the pastor in, in 2011, the church's name was, ready for it, you got to take a breath, Evangelical Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd in Norwalk. That's what was out on the sign out here. And, I, by the way, a really strong name, a name with a lot of legacy, a name attached to a whole lot of faithful people that have made it possible for us to be sitting here in a debt-free building in 2022, okay? All right, so we're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here, here's what I, I knew about 99... Uh, I also knew this. About 99.9% of the people who drive by this location, they would look over at that sign, and what would they say? Well, I'm not a Lutheran. In fact, most of them in 2022 would say, "I don't even know what a Lutheran is," right? So we changed our name. What did that look like, by the way? A guy named Bob. I said, "Bob, get a saw." That sounds like a good song, actually. Bob, get a saw. And so he took the a country song. It'd be a country song, obviously, right? So don't. It's all right. Get a saw, Bob. Get a saw. This is going to be something. Bob got a saw, and he walked out to the sign, and he just sawed off the first part of the sign. Evangelical Lutheran. (laughs) Came right. And then what did it say? Church of the Good Shepherd. That became our name. And I just got to tell you, I, I love that name, Church of the Good Shepherd. Why? Because Jesus is the Good Shepherd. I know that to be true personally, deep down inside, what it's meant for him to shepherd my life. But I also knew something else at the same time, is that most people who don't know Jesus have no idea what that means. So we prayed and we, we listen, nobody knows what, when's the last, what, how many shepherds did you hang out with last week? There's some guy back there, yeah, me and, me and Bob were shepherds. <laughs> He's a saw and he's a shepherd. Yeah, he's got both, right? They had no idea what Church of the Good Shepherd, so we prayed and we felt like that name was not as welcoming as it needed to be. And we were going to be faithful to God's priority scale. It's the reason that we say online all the time, You belong here. You belong here is not a marketing phrase. Miss me with that. It's not a marketing phrase. It's why we often say, you can belong here, what? Even before you believe. It's a reason that we start new services and we have a second location now and a new service coming in Spanish. Pastor, this church is great just the way it is. Why can't you leave well enough alone? We already have Spanish translation, Pastor. Why do we need to have a Spanish speaking service? Listen, I want us to be absolutely ruthless in being faithful to what God has prioritized. This is not about us, this is not about Pastor Kevin. This is not about anybody leaving a legacy personally. I know God is gonna leave such a wonderful legacy through everyone that has served here and sacrificed going all the way back to 1956. And supported this church. He's going to leave an awesome legacy. But we are going to place a priority on showing the love of God to as many people as we can. Because God has always prioritized loving people over isolated principles. Mm. Listen, if you find yourself using your faith as an excuse to not show people uh, around you love... The people in your life, if you find yourself, let me say this a different way, using your faith as an excuse to not show love to the people that God has placed in your life, it's time to re-examine where your faith is focused. We don't need to follow the world's trend of cutting people out of our lives because they don't believe like we believe or think or act like we do. It's the world's trend. Well, they're toxic, Pastor Kevin. I just can't be with them, right? Everything's toxic now, by the way, right? My boyfriend's toxic, my husband's toxic, right? My job is toxic, my neighborhood's toxic. Everything's toxic. They don't live like I live. They don't think like I think. They don't worship like I worship. Okay, has God given you a pass on loving them? That's the way of the world. And that deception and nastiness and death has never been stronger than it is right now. We're wanting to separate everybody out into groups. And you're a Republican or you're a Democrat or you're a conservative or you're a liberal or you're a black person or you're a white person or you're a progressive or you're a bigot. And these are words that don't belong to the kingdom of God. This is not God's way of doing business. These are words that don't fit with Jesus' priorities. Listen to me. We don't have to choose between being faithful to the law of God and loving people. Two things can be true at the same time. King David, you can't eat that bread. I don't care if you're the king. That bread is just for the priests. Okay, but these men are hungry. And this is all there is to eat. Jesus, you... You can't pluck grain on the Sabbath. I don't care how hungry you are. I don't care if the law says that you can legally do it. You can't do that. Jesus, you can't heal a crippled man on this holy day. And Jesus in these scenes shows us exactly what it looks like to love God and practice the Sabbath and still be willing to heal someone or provide food for someone who is hungry. I said that this criticism should reveal something about us. Will we allow our faith to be a ritualistic exercise, just concerned with making sure that we're doing all the right things, or will we have enough faith to just do the right thing? This is why I bring up this movie, The Mississippi Burning, by the way, in this culture of fear. Instead of doing the right thing, a culture of fear. And by the way, if you don't just let your faith let you live out doing the right thing, it'll always become a culture of fear. We don't have time for that sermon today. Almost 20 years ago now, I, I, I stepped out of working in a church for a couple of years, and Pastor Jacinta and I went back to school together. We were almost uh, 30 years old, and... During that time, to provide for my family, I worked as a waiter at Red Lobster, the crimson crustacean. I loved, I loved being a waiter, loved it. And it wasn't long after I got there that I found out that the the least popular shift for the servers, this, the shift that nobody wanted to work. Anybody want to guess when it was? What time was it? Sunday afternoon. Do you know why? Because the church crowd that came in after church were the most demanding, hardest to deal with people, and they were the worst tippers. Nobody wanted to work on Sunday afternoon. 20 years ago in Tennessee, restaurants uh, had a thing called the smoking section. Now, you, you kids don't know. Smoking section, all right. Everybody, get this. You ready for this? Twenty years ago in Tennessee, you could go into a restaurant, you could take your cigarettes with you, and you could smoke your cigarettes while you were eating dinner. You didn't have to worry that you were killing everyone around you simultaneously. Just let that go out of your head, right? But 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 I do to get off here. Do you know what the most popular shift? I already told you what the least popular was. The church folks, Sunday afternoon, nobody wanted that shift. You know what the most popular shift in the restaurant was? Saturday night in the smoking section. Why? Because the smoking, drinking crowd, they were nice. <laughs> Way nicer, a hundred times nicer than the Sunday afternoon crowd. Are you getting this? Next Sunday, we next Sunday we're entering into seven days of prayer and fasting. Pastor Michael will tell you a little bit more about that in a minute, but here, here's something I want to put out in front of all of us right now as we start preparing for this time of prayer and fasting, and you need to prepare for it. Put this in front of your mind. Can, can this be a place where we will just let Jesus show us? that the law of God encourages us to treat other people well our our world needs people in it that are just encouraged to treat other people well our city needs this our country needs this Fairfield County needs this. we need God to show us so many things and open our eyes to so many things I am desperate for him to show me how to live in this world right now. He's going to start all of that by saying the most important rule of our faith is to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus, Jesus was ultimately a real disappointment to most of his closest followers. Did you know this? Yeah, because Once they found out that he had all the power, like they saw him bring dead people back to life, that's pretty lit, right? They saw him heal all kinds of sickness. And they were like, wow, Jesus, we're going to take over. You're going to be the king, and we're going to be your army, and we're going to kill all the Romans. We hate them. We're going to overthrow the government. It's going to be so great, Jesus. And Jesus said, actually, it's... It's going to be a lot different than that. (laughs) Things are going to go really, really bad. And instead of being really popular, I'm going to be really hated. And instead of being a famous ruler that's placed on a throne, I'm going to be humiliated and die the most shameful death possible, nailed up on a cross by my hands and my feet and left to die. I am the king, your rights, and you are going to follow me in this kingdom. But he said, My kingdom is not of this world because in my kingdom I have put loving people and saving people first. The reason that I have come is so that they might have life and live life to its fullest. Those were his priorities. Listen, he didn't just prioritize people generally. He prioritized you specifically. He didn't just choose to love people generally. He prioritized you specifically. Jesus didn't leave heaven because of some general principles of morality and being nice to people and goodness in the world. He did it to save you, you specifically. All of this building, just close your eyes where you are. Thank you, Jesus, for the way that you have pursued us. You have pursued us radically, Jesus. You have pursued us without reservation. You have pursued us when we were running away. You have loved us when we were disobedient. You have loved us when we were failing. You have loved us when we were cursing you. You have loved us, Jesus when we demonstrated with our life that we wanted anything but you, you still kept coming for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you never let any general principles and isolated principles stand in the way of what you came to do, which is to call us to repentance and to call us into your family and to embrace us, Lord Jesus, and to love us with an everlasting love. You, Jesus, for the way that you have given us an example, the way that you are opening us up to love the people in our lives. There's no one else that has been designated to love them other than me. I pray for the people, God, that you placed in my life over the last 48 to 72 hours, Jesus. Even those people outside of these walls that you have called me to love them that way. No matter what they're doing, no matter what they're saying, you've called me to love them. Thank you for the people in this room right now. There's just conviction that's just washing across this room. Right now, about the people that you placed in our lives, Lord, a conviction about the kind of church that you called Broad River Church to be, Lord. We don't need any more finger pointers. We don't need any more accusers. We don't need any more self righteousness, Lord. We don't need any more hypocrisy. All we need, Jesus, is to be the city on a hill, the lamp on a lampstand that you've called us to be. Your hands and your feet for those that you're convicting right now. started with me, Lord. Lord, I pray, secondly, and I'm going to continue to pray for some people that are in this room today that as I'm praying, you would just say, I just need to put first things first, Pastor Kevin. Even before all of this, I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And if that's you today, you have the opportunity to do that today. And for some of you, you started having this sense even as you were driving over and some as you drove into the parking lot and some as you walked in the lobby even before the service or maybe as we were worshiping or maybe as I was speaking. But you just have this sense that today is the day that you put a stake in the sand and you draw that line and say, I decided to follow Jesus September 4th, 2022. If that's you today I want to say a prayer and I'm gonna say some words that I'd love to have you repeat after me but as you repeat them I want you to pray them as, as your own words this is a moment between you and God again all the heads are bowed the eyes are closed but I would really love to know who I'm praying with this morning wherever you are would you just lift your hand if that's you today come on if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time have your hand lifted now you can put your hands down. Thank you for that. Broad River Church, we have the privilege of praying with those people who lifted their hands today. Nobody prays the Lord. Let's pray this together. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your resurrection and the new life that I have in you. Now I give you my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Turn me back to you. I want to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you connected with this sermon, share it with a friend. You can find us on all social media platforms and YouTube, or visit us on Sunday in person at two locations in Norwalk and three service times. Have a great week.